Romans chapter 8, we're going to read some more here. We're about just seven scriptures in, but we're going to go a little further tonight. And uh, Romans chapter 8 is a book you can get lost in. We could do a whole year on this book. And so I had to pick and choose what I was going to do, but we'll just see what happens. And I'm sure it'll be refreshing for you. Amen. Uh, now we've uh, uh, did a little review last time. I won't go into the review, but basically we've been talking about the inward man and the outward man. Delight in God after the law of the inward man. I delight in the law of the inward man. Well, that must mean there's an outward man. And so then you got to figure out the difference so that you can live appropriately. You want to live according to the inward man, not the outward man. The outward man is scared and selfish. He's greedy and unloving. The outward man is ornery and self-seeking. <laughs> and so you're going to have to live after the law of the inward man that is created in righteousness and true holiness. You understand? And so we went through uh, no condemnation. Then we talked about being carnally minded in, uh, or spiritually minded. And so that's what we spent time on. I'm going to pick up in verse 7 and just read a bit here. Verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, it's hostile, for it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you're not in the flesh. All right, and this is where you take a step of faith and you just decide, okay, I'm not in the flesh. But you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. So this is where you have to use your faith and recognize the Spirit of God does dwell in me, therefore I'm not in the flesh. That's supposed to help you not act like you're in the flesh. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Christ who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Wow. Stop there. So here we are again, talking about the body and the spirit, talking about death because of sin and life because of the spirit. Um, and so in summary, the summary would be that if you're going to live a carnal flesh life, you will die. And we could, we could kind of open that up and say, you will fall asleep unto God. If you're going to be a carnal Christian, you will fall asleep unto the will of God, unto the things of God. You'll be a lukewarm, backslidden, sleepy type of Christian who proclaims Jesus Christ but has no evidence of any spark of God in them. Does that make sense? You might be able to sing a song occasionally or read a poem or have a picture or post something on your social media that looks like God and stuff. And yeah, 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 God, God, rah, rah, rah. But your life will be so dead. If you, live a, if you live a carnal life, you will die. And it probably also could relate to your physical life uh, and, and even your emotional life. You will be dead emotionally and physically without living a spiritual life. Why? Because Romans eight eleven. what does it say? 
since it's now 811. Hey, whatever it takes for you to remember things. Romans 8:11. But if the spirit of him that raised, who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Notice where he gives life. He'll give life to your body. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead who resurrected a dead person, that same spirit can make your body alive. That's one place where you can hook in so many different things for your faith walk, uh, meaning you could raise the dead based on that scripture. You could get healed based on that scripture. He will give life to my mortal body. You could stay well based on that scripture. How do you do it? You, you consider, wait, the same spirit that who raised Jesus from the dead, he lives in me. Who? He lives in me. Who? He lives in me. He lives in me. He lives in me. Makes me alive. Therefore, he makes me alive. Therefore, I'm not tired. Therefore, I'm not sick. Therefore, I'm going to live. Therefore, I, I kill all the virus and kill all the bacteria and kill all the problem in Jesus' name. He's in me. So you, you can use that scripture to make your body alive. It's a spiritual truth. It's a spiritual truth that if you will believe it, it will work. And so you need to stay infused with the scripture. He will quicken. He will make alive your mortal flesh. I've told you my story about being sick and, and eat, uh, reading this, and it felt like I had eaten something. It went down into my spirit. I'm like, I know I'm well now. And so there's little moments like that where the Spirit will, 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 will get you to a scripture somehow, the one that you need for that moment. And by revelation and faith in that word, you can have what it says. Now, the context here is not talk necessarily talking about healing. It's talking about you making sure that you're dead to sin and that the Spirit of him will help you mortify the deeds of the body. Put to death the deeds of the body. Put to death the sin that's in your flesh. The Spirit will do that. Use your faith for that to happen. Notice it says here, verse 13, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And this is where Christians have this advantage Rather than just willpower in our January New Year's resolutions, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm writing it down, I'm going to, uh, rather, because the world does that, some of them make it and some of them don't make it, Christians can, we have a little extra firepower. What's our firepower? If you, by the Spirit, mortify the deeds of the body. I'm going to change my habits, I'm going to change my habits. Yeah, do it by the Spirit. Meaning connect with God, get the power and the grace of God, then go attack. How do you do that? Well, you could at least pray in tongues for an hour about it. Pray in tongues like you mean it. Pray in tongues like I'm lifting weights. Pray in tongues like I'm charging up here. Like you, you know how to charge your cell phone. Pray in tongues and charge your spirit. I'm going to charge my spirit. You know, you charge your cell phone before you go out for the day, don't you? All night long. Well, you need some time to charge your spirit before you go out to kill the deeds of the body. Amen. And if you're not charged up spiritually, praying in tongues, 
you're not going to have the power needed to overcome your temptations and your flesh and your carnality and your stupidity and your emotions and your emotions and your other emotions and your fears and your worries and your temptations and your emotions that I mentioned your emotions the way you treat people and the way you act and the way you think and the way you're, uh, what you're thinking on throughout the day. If you're not charged spiritually, you're going to think on all the negative, pessimistic things of this life. And you'll be complaining all day about something. You'll be complaining about the food. And you'll be complaining about the food. And you'll be complaining about the food. If you're charged spiritually, you know better. If you're charged up spiritually, your, your flesh is not dominating your, your moment every, at every turn. And you won't be complaining about the news and complaining about your city and complaining about your country and complaining about the world and complaining about the millennials. <laughs> Lord, have mercy on Generation X as they try not to complain about the other generation. Praise the Lord. We did, we did a thing with our, with our, our staff. We, we went through, I had this book, and, and, and it se- sectioned off and detailed uh, the differences, uh, pros and cons of each generation, starting with the boomers, the boomers, the Gen Xers, the, G- the millennials, the Gen Zers, and now the alphas. There's characteristics of these generations. It's very interesting. So anyway, we went through it and determined that we're all messed up. And... Uh, <laughs> We're just trying to, we're just trying to get back to Christ. (laughs) Just trying to get back to Christ. All right. Um, Okay. So here we are. We're trying to decide how, how, how I'm going to live this spiritual life instead of just being an old carnal Christian, somebody that claims Jesus and waiting for him to come get us out of this mess. If that's you, you're living a carnal life. Listen, if you're thinking that on a daily basis, I just wish Jesus would come. I just wish Jesus would come. Man, you're missing the good stuff. You are. That, that's your thinking, then you're not living the spiritual life. You, you're, not, you're not doing it. All right, now let me, help, let me tell you how to get there. The, the only way to live a spiritual life is to first, uh, there's probably several things you need to do, but first you must consecrate your life. You must decide, I'm going all in with this. I'm I'm, I'm not going to tap my little toe into the shallow and see, I don't know if I like this. I think I like the shallow end better than than this. I don't know. I'm going to watch somebody else do this. Got to go all in. We've We've taught on this extensively. Full consecration is imperative for a spiritual life. You will never succeed as a Christian if you're uh, tepid, if you're lukewarm if you're if you just try it a bit if you just go halfway you'll never be a successful christian so the only way to fully succeed and you can do this in a day you can do it in a week you can decide to do it in three months i know because it took me three months and in three months i decided took me three months i knew i needed to make a total decision or none at all took me three months to decide you know what i'm doing it i'm giving up my whole life going all in with god That means all my dreams, all my friends, everything I was, everything I thought I was, everything I thought I wanted to be, everything I had built, I'm I'm giving it all up. I'm going for God. 
It didn't mean I was quitting my job. That was another thing later. You can still keep your job. Please keep your job. Listen, give your life to Jesus and please keep your job, okay? You can still work in the secular world. You're going to have to. You live in the secular world. You're going to have to still work in the business world. Uh, you're still going to have to be part of this world, but you can be fully consecrated to God. Do not go live in a monastery with the monks. That's, right. That's ridiculous. That's not the way God planned it. He did not take you out of the world. He left you in the world. And so, but you can still be fully consecrated, even though you had to deal with people, even though you got to deal with sinners, even you got to deal with an ungodly boss, even though you got to work the world system, even though you still got to work 40, 50 hours a week, you can be fully consecrated, but you need to be fully consecrated. You need to fully sell out. Jesus said, you got to lose your life to have his life. If you find your life, you'll lose it. If you lose your life, you'll find it. What's he talking about? He's saying, if you'll give up your self life, you can have his life. But if you don't give up your self-life, you can't have his. And I would say if you give 50% of your life to God, you can get 50% of his. That means you can be 50% happy. If you really want to be happy all the time, you'll have to really give your whole life to God. And that'll be, you'll have to give up your ways. You'll have to give up some of your opinions and some other opinions. And maybe, maybe all of your opinions. Give up all of your opinions for quite a while. Just be not opinionated. Start, start fresh and let the word of God build your opinions. Give up your emotions. Give up all your hurts and all of your self-focus. If you quit looking at yourself so much, you wouldn't be hurt. So, so offended at everything that happened. Give all that up. Let God defend you. Let God protect you. Let God restore you. Let God be the one that sustains you. You don't need everybody to do everything right to you. That's the world's way. Everybody in the world's all hurt, all mad at somebody because they didn't do what they wanted. Man, we don't live that way. All right, so consecration is first for everybody. Got it? Let me read you a couple of quotes on that. Uh, here's a way that, here, here's a way to look at it. And this is the way Watchman Nee describes it. Uh, who was an apostle to China preacher had some revelation that was pretty deep in the area of worship and the, in the spirit and in the spirit. He said this, he said, before your outward man is broken. And that's the way he was describing this or from one perspective, let your outward man be broken by the word of God. Remember Hebrews four, that the word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God needs to get inside you and crack the outer man and, and develop the inward man. It needs to get in there and decide what's spiritual and what's of your soul and your emotions. And so you need to let the word of God get in there and crack you and break your outward man from being so selfish. He said, before your outward man is broken, you're occupied with your own things, you walk in your own way, and you love your own people. If God wants to use your love in loving the brethren, he must first break the outward man. The inward man must love, but he must love through the outward man. Your outward man needs to be laid on the altar as a sacrifice. That is your spiritual worship. That you lay down your self-life on the altar. 
break the outward man would be another way to say it, so that your inward man can actually touch somebody's heart. So your inward man can love the brethren. He went on to say, for the outward man to be broken, a full consecration is imperative. Consecration, he said, is merely an expression of our willingness to be in the hands of God. And he said it can take place in just a few minutes. This is where you can repent in a church service and radically change your future. And then he said, after consecration, there's the discipline of the Holy Spirit. And he said, that's the pathway. Now, now I remember, I remember I was here Monday night and man, y'all were fired up <laughs> about giving and receiving. Woo-hoo! Now we're talking about developing Uh, Here's some more. He said, whatever the things to which you are bound, God will deal with them one after another. Like there's no escaping those things that have held you back. There's no escaping your personality defects. No escaping your unforgiveness. No escaping your emotional bad habits. No escaping stuff on the inside that's there that you're going to have to let it out. Because the Holy Spirit's going to touch it one after the other. And if you don't deal with it, you'll be a stuck Christian. That's good. That's a good word. He says, you may be, he said, you may even be ignorant of your affinity for a certain thing, but he knows and will deal with it most thoroughly. Until the day comes when all these things are destroyed, you do not know perfect liberty. Uh, As an aside here, this is how the Holy Spirit, if you through the Spirit, let the Holy Spirit get in there. And and that means read the Bible, allow the Spirit to uh, alert you. In church, you're supposed to say, hmm, I think he's talking to me. You ever had that happen in church? Like, oh, well, I don't want to let anybody else know, but I think he's talking directly to me. That's good. That's the Holy Spirit touching some things in your life. The Bible taught, Jesus said that, Uh, or or John the Baptist said, he that comes after me is is mightier than I. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And then it goes on and says, and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. The chaff is the sticks and uh, the sticks that come out of the hay and that gets burned up. And so he's trying, the Holy Spirit wants to burn up all of your defects, all of the worthless, worthless things in your, in your soul and your, your history and your all of your, all of your heart def, uh, you, dirt, he wants to burn that up. So you got to let him, you got to give your way, yourself over to the Holy Spirit. If you through the spirit, if you by the spirit mortify the deeds of the body. So praying in tongues a lot is going to help your defects come to the surface so they can be burnt by the Holy ghost. Okay. So that's how this works until the day comes when all these things are destroyed You do not know perfect liberty. Until they are dealt with, you can be assured to keep finding yourself in the same situations that bring out that flesh and soul of you. 
the anger, the jealousy, you getting stuck in following some pipe dream. Pipe dream of your soul that really doesn't belong. What's a pipe dream? We can say a worldly dream, a carnal dream. Uh, I think it came from a tribal land where they smoke funny stuff in their pipes. A pipe dream puts you in fantasy land. It's not real. It's not the will of God, but that's your dream. And that's what makes you happy and makes you tick. You think let, he's going to touch it. And you won't be free until you let him wipe that out. I mean, I'll just, I'll just pick one. Okay, well, I've just always loved motorcycles, and I just want to have a motorcycle and drive. I want a fast motorcycle. I've just always been my dream. Look, if you live in Houston, you don't get to have a motorcycle. You don't. There, I just destroyed your pipe dream. He's, the Holy Spirit's been trying to put that out, put that little candle out for a long time. You can have a dirt bike. You can ride your dirt bike all over the trails as long as there's no traffic. I don't know why that came up. I have no idea why that came up. But some people, just they're just stuck in a 30-year-old dream, and they won't let it go, and it messes their life up. And if that's you, just go ahead and get married, and then your spouse can stop, your wife can stop that dream. Although, uh, several years ago, we did, have a, we did have a lady, I think she was six, 68 or 70 years old, and she came to church the first time on her moped. And then she came the second time on her moped. She's, she had her helmet on, driving her moped, nothing's going to stop her. It's like, if that's you, fine, come on to church. She wanted a car, but hey, if that's all you got, I understand for a season. But anyway, that's just an example of just let's not live in fantasy land, okay? Don't get bored with the real kingdom of God, which is where you're supposed to walk with Jesus real closely, enjoy him thoroughly, and not need anything else for that week and the next week and the next. Just live your life unto God. Live your life uh, for his purposes in the kingdom, at the church. Loving the brethren, giving your life to other people, not just trying to absorb some of your delights. That's what this is. That's what this is. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Uh, look at verse 10. It says, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness, meaning you're never really going to make your flesh uh, be right. It's fallen. It's made of the dirt. The dirt was cursed. Your flesh is, made, your flesh is just messed up. You have to train it to be a slave to you. It will do what you say. It doesn't want to, but it will because you've trained it. Uh, go read 1 Peter with me. Go to 1 Peter chapter 2. You'll see some similar terminology. <clears throat> 1 
First Peter chapter 2, speaking of Jesus, um, verse 21, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, meaning you're going to have to suffer a bit. What does that mean? That means you're going to have to tell your flesh, no, you can't have the motorcycle. No, you're not going to do the thing that you thought you were trained to do. No, you're going to have to suffer a bit. And there's some other things about suffering I might get to. But then verse 22 tells you, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. This is where, well, verse 24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Now, that scripture we've used for physical healing, but uh, it's also for mental healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing. It's for your life to get made right on the inside, too. But notice it says, you having died to sins are supposed to live to righteousness. Think of that term, die to sins. Die to sins. If you, through the Spirit, crucify, kill, mortify the deeds of the body, the sins of the body, by the Spirit, you have to kill the sin in your flesh. You got to tell it no long enough to train it. Children before they're four years old have to be told no over and over and over and over again until they get the picture. They have to be commanded and told and commanded and told and no, no, no. It must be the biggest word in the house until they're about three or four years old. Isn't that right, mamas? And if you don't, they will be wild. How long do you think you might have to tell your flesh No. Habitually tell it no. Habitually tell your flesh no. Habitually by the Spirit, command it, decide it, enforce it. Refuse your flesh to get its way time and time and time and time and time again until it's fully trained. I just don't know if I can do that. Well, pray in tongues and you'll get some power and fire against it. And you'll get an attitude against your flesh. You need an attitude against sin, an attitude against your flesh being, you know, selfish and unruly. Get mad at yourself. If you step out of the love walk, don't let that just linger. Don't just say, oh, God, forgive me. I just got in the flesh again. No, no, no. Get mad at it. Say, that's ridiculous that I'm looking like that. It's ridiculous that I'm acting like that. I should not treat people that way. I should not talk like that. I should not little, let little guile, little deceit out of my mouth. I should not let poison out of my mouth. I should never say anything that's ridiculous about somebody else. And when you do it, you better catch yourself. I remember one time we were driving to lunch with uh, some, some, some of our office staff. And uh, we're driving down the road and, and I saw a person who uh, was, you could tell they were a sinner. I'm not going to go any further than that. That'd mess up the whole story. They were, a, they were a, a, an abomination of some sort to God. And I, I pointed them out kind of in a humorous way. Look, take a look to your right or whatever. And, and, and about 10 seconds later, I said, I had to apologize. I had to apologize to the car. I'm like, I shouldn't have done that. Uh, please forgive me for pointing that out. I sh you don't point out stuff like that. You don't point out sin. You don't laugh. You don't 
get humor from sin. And if it's in front of people, please apologize. Please let them know that that's not how a Christian behaves. You're not even supposed to speak of those things done by those in secret. Much less put it on the news. I feel sorry for any, anybody who's a Christian that's in the news media that have to feel like they have to report, make their money by reporting all the bad things in the whole world done by all the evil people. You're not supposed to talk about it. So if you think you're going to get into journalism, think twice. It's a, it's a rugged, rugged industry. Use your talent another way. I bet God could find you another way. Or go work for one of the Christian stations. Probably has its own landmines. I don't know. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Everybody happy? He bore our sins in his own body on the tree. His body was killed on the tree. His body was killed on the tree. He put the, God put the sins on him, then killed him. God put the sins on Jesus. Isaiah 53 says he laid on him the iniquity, the immorality of us all. He put it on Jesus so that he could be killed. So that he could be killed. That we, having died to sins. That's what we were hearing on, on Monday night or, or Sunday, Sunday. That Jesus was our substitute our sins were put on him. We actually were put on the cross with him. We di actually died with him. I'm actually crucified with Christ. That means the sins are crucified too. Live that way. A dead man doesn't sin. All right. Get some faith from some of those, some of that, those scriptures, that terminology. A dead man doesn't sin. I'm crucified with him. So it's not my life that I live. I live by the faith of the Son of God. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. I know you're thrilled on the inside. I can see it. I can just see everybody's thrilled on the inside. What do you think? We're in Romans 8. It's going to get deep in here. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. All right. Go to... Uh, Back to Romans. Go back to Romans. If you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you'll live. You'll be awakened unto God. You'll have a good life. You'll have life abundantly. You'll actually live the abundant life. If you can live in the Spirit, you'll live the abundant life. So if ever you're having a depressed day, you're not in the Spirit. If ever you're having a terrible emotional day, you're not in the Spirit. If ever you're sinning too much, you're not in the Spirit. If ever you're don't have a good, hopeful outlook about the future, you're not in the spirit. You're just messing the whole thing up. You're being carnally minded and there's only death for you. There's only sadness for you. So get back in the spirit. Go read the two pages of the Bible, pray in tongues for 30 minutes. And if it doesn't make you happier, call me. We don't have your number, pastor. That's right. Praise the Lord. Romans 8, 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. 
I don't want to do a whole uh, being led by the Spirit message. Uh, it's very exciting. We got plenty of it taught, but this is where I like to look at this as, as a son of God, I must be led by the Spirit. I also like to flip it. If I'm led by the Spirit, I can claim to be a son. If I'm not led by the Spirit, I really can't claim it. I know I am, but sons of God are led by the Spirit. Sons of God are moved by the Spirit. Sons of God allow God to dictate. Sons of God can hold their mouth, their tongue. Because the Spirit does want to lead you in life decisions and life doors open and all that. But he also wants to lead you in how to talk, how to act, how your attitude should be. You can't control your attitude. You're not, don't, don't even say it. Don't even go around saying, I'm a son of God. Yes, I am. <laughs> Technically, you're still a son of God, but sons of God are led by the spirit. <clears throat> uh, not by the senses. So be careful of trying, trying to be spiritual. Many Christians have just turned sensual. Trying to be Open to the supernatural, many Christians have turned sensual, meaning of the senses. What do I mean by that? I mean, instead of being supernatural, they're sensational. And so the only thing that moves them are sensational outward things that they can see or hear or connect the dot. God, I see God has I was just, I was praying to God that he would show me something today that would encourage me. And I walked outside and I saw a tree. And I thought, wow, God has answered my prayer. And then the leaf floated down and I watched it float all the way to the tip of my nose. And they'll, they'll turn it all poetic and whatever. And God has spoken to me today. I'm so encouraged. You could have just gotten encouraged if you'd have read the Bible. Rather than dream up something flaky to attribute to God. All I'm saying is be careful of living like that. There may be a couple times when some coincidence blesses you. and, I, and I'm, Maybe God would do that, but let's not turn everything hypersensational when really we don't need that. You're supposed to be led by the Spirit. You're supposed to know things. You're supposed to have an inward relationship with the Holy Spirit, not with trees and leaves and bumper stickers and billboards. I know I just ruined people's, some people's whole spiritual life right there. No, I'm just, just kidding, just kidding. And it's the same, it's the same idea. You know, you don't, oh God, I need you to speak to me today. Judas went and hanged himself. <laughs> Solomon had 850 concubines. <laughs> Be careful of doing that. Now, listen, I, I understand new Christians have done this, and maybe it happened to you when you needed a word from God. You were desperate, and you opened it, and you said, God, please, and bam, something really helped you. I get that. It could happen. It could happen, but that's not how sons of God are led in life. Make sense? <clears throat> Praise the Lord.
We'll do one, uh, one little story here. Go to Galatians chapter 4. Just to give you a picture of being led by the Spirit, not the flesh. Led by God, not by the senses. Because uh, flesh things or carnal things will seem nice many times. It, it'll look good on the outside. It's like, well, it, it must be the case because, man, that's a blessing. You ever thought that before? Just decided it must be God because that's a blessing. For instance, you know, you get a job offer. Uh, it's out of town. It makes you move somewhere else, and, but it's double the salary. Must be God. He wants to bless me. And then, boom, they go without asking God if it's his will, without knowing by the Spirit if it's his will, uh, and without considering how it might impact the kingdom of God or the call of God in their life. You got to be careful of those things. But, hey, many things on the outside look good, seem okay, but you got to be led by the Spirit. you got to know how that feels. you got to know how He leads. you got to know either the peace of God on the inside, the belly rub. I feel good about that. God is, God's revealed to me on the inside. Or the voice of God, maybe a word, maybe a sentence, maybe just a sense is all you get on the inside. you got to know how that feels spiritually. So that you can override your rationale. The more you think about things, the worse it's getting. The more you analyze, the further away from the spirit you're getting. The longer you think about it and rationalize it and decide to think it and want it and thought, decide to think it. The longer you think on it, the worse it's going to get. The further away from the will of God, you're at risk. <clears throat> Uh, here's the story of uh, verse 21, story of Abraham or Abram and Sarah when they hadn't had a baby yet. God promised Abraham he was going to be the father of many nations, hadn't had a child, took a while, took 25 years, still hadn't had a child. Uh, and so uh, Sarah gets a bright idea. Hey, you know, I'm still barren after all these years. Maybe, maybe, you, maybe I could, God will give me a child through Hagar. So Abram, why don't you go into Hagar and have a baby for me with her, and then I'll have my child. The flesh will make you do some really dumb things. The flesh will come up some do, with some doozies of ideas. Verse 21, tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it's written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman, the other by a free woman. Bondwoman was Hagar. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh. Notice that terminology, born according to the flesh. So when Abraham went to Hagar and had Ishmael, that was of the flesh. That was a carnal decision. That was not spiritual. The other by a free woman. He who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman through promise. Which things are symbolic? For these are the two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar. You do things in the flesh, it'll get, put you in bondage. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. Abraham made a decision in the flesh, turned out to be Ishmael, which is symbolic for Jerusalem today. The natural Jerusalem was not the promise of God. Jesus Christ is the promise of God. But the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. For it's written, Rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. 
For the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. Verse 28, now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. Those who believe in Jesus are called the children of promise. Promise. We are not the children of the flesh. The natural Jews who do not believe in Christ, those are the children of the flesh. We are the children of promise. But as he who was born according to the flesh then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, even so it is now. Meaning Hagar and Ishmael laughed at Sarah because she was barren. Sarah kicked them out. God said, go back. I'll still bless you. Made Sarah take them back in. They persecuted Sarah and Isaac. Make sense? They persecuted the children of promise. Same way it is now. The Jews killed Christians. They still persecute Christians. Unbelieving Jews still persecute Christians. Children of the flesh persecute children of promise. Now, believing Jews like Paul, Paul was a Jew who persecuted Christians. He was first a child of the flesh. He killed Christians, persecuted Christians, and then he received Jesus Christ, and then he began to preach the gospel he, as a child of promise. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we're not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. Okay, now, we've spent time on that. I don't have time to do that. Uh, but notice this. Cast out the bondwoman and her son. Cast out the flesh. Cast out the carnal decisions. And only live with the promise. Only live in the spirit. Because even though, I mean, can you imagine Abraham? Sarah says, hey, why don't you go to be with Hagar? I mean, what an odd request from a wife. He should have said, honey, honey you must not have gotten any sleep last night. He should have stopped it in its tracks. We don't know. You can ask him when you get to heaven. We don't know why he was such a dodo about this. Okay. We don't know why Sarah did that. We don't know why he agreed. Uh, but it seemed like it was a decent plan because they'd been waiting so long on God's promise. Christians have done this for quite a while, wanting something to happen. God's taken a while. I guess I'll go figure out another way to get this done. It'll cause you problems. Like that decision they made has caused the entire world problems now for thousands of years because Ishmael is the father of all the Arabs. The, the, the result of this flesh decision that they made, God said, I will make of you a great nation. Ishmael will be a of a great nation and he'll have many descendants. He'll be a wild man and his hand will be against every man. And he'll dwell in the presence of his brethren, the Jews. And that's why you have a whole bunch, whole countries full of Arabs. And then right there, the Jews are still there. And those Arabs, man, they're, they're the, the, the birth of most terrorism. Flesh decisions cause trouble for a lot of people. So you and I have to be led by the spirit, not by the flesh. So when you get under pressure, and that's a lot of times what happens when Christians get under pressure, they turn to the flesh. They get emotional. 
they make bad decisions. Marriages, you get under pressure, what happens? What you ought to do is just chill out for a while, pray in tongues for a long time. How long? I don't know, 20 years? <laughs> pray in tongues for about 20 years. Marriages get under this pressure in a moment and say stupid things and ruin themselves, ruin their spouse, ruin the kids, ruin the whole household in a moment of pressure. Just chill out, pray in tongues. How long? 30 years. Just go 30, go read your Bible for another 50 years. Why don't you read your Bible, get stuck in the Bible for about 50 years, save your marriage. I don't know, my flesh would be a lot happier if I could just make a domestic change. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You, you, you be a flesh Christian. You be a carnal Christian. You've got to cast out the flesh. Don't cast out your spouse. Cast out the flesh. <clears throat> I guess we'll end with that. <laughs> Same thing. Don't, don't quit your job because you're under pressure. Don't quit your job until you can pray yourself out of the pressure into the peace of God and be led by the Spirit to know exactly when to leave your job or start looking for another or whatever you got to do. Don't ever let your boss make you quit. Don't ever let problems make you quit. Don't ever let any of that. No, no, no. Only the Spirit of God can lead you in and out of jobs. If you'll commit to that, listen, if you'll commit to being led by the Spirit in and out of jobs, you won't get fired. Or you won't get fired without already knowing it's coming. Or you won't get fired without already another door being open. If you'll commit to this, God will make sure that you're, the Spirit of God lets you know, informs you, moves you, opens doors for you, and lets you know which door to go through. Just because the door's open doesn't mean it's the Spirit. Oh, the door opened, it must be God. No, 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 no. Please don't. Just because there's five people that want to marry you doesn't mean that five doors open. Oh, he, he loves me. It must be God. No, no, no. It might have been a bunch of people loving you. You got to know from God. You have to know by the Spirit. Sons of God are led by the Spirit. Don't ever assume that an open door is from God. Don't ever assume that a closed door is God saying no. You got to get more spiritual than this. You can't be moved by the outside. Amen. Amen. Got it? Yes. Praise the Lord. My, my, my first Bible example is always Jericho. Jericho was shut. Shut up. But God wanted them to have the promised land. He gave them a promise and the first door was closed. He wanted them to open it. Some closed doors you need to open by faith if the Spirit leads you. The only reason Jericho fell down flat is because they heard the voice of God and obeyed it. Closed door, but they heard from God. The spirit led them. They shouted at the right time and bam, the miracle happened. That's how you and I need to live our lives. You got to know the will of God. You must be led by the spirit or you'll never know which door to go, th go through. Open doesn't mean anything and closed doesn't mean anything. Only the will of God means anything. Thank you for joining Pastors Chaz and Joni today from Houston Faith Church. If you're looking for a good home church in Houston, Texas, we'd like to invite you to be our guest anytime. What you'll find is that Houston Faith Church is highly committed to the Word of God, the love of God, and the Spirit-filled life and ministry that Jesus expects. 
We know that everyone wants to make a difference in this life and that the great commission of the Lord Jesus Christ is the main thing for all of us. You'll find your purpose here and grow strong in faith at Houston Faith Church. Find more faith-building resources on our YouTube channel or subscribe to our free audio podcast. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon.